Welcome to the Polaris PT Podcast. Join us as we dive into all aspects of health and wellness, from physical and mental to relationships and spirituality with leading experts and luminaries from a broad spectrum of specializations. I'm your host, Dr. Brig Woods, performance physical therapist and owner of Polaris PT and Wellness. On the podcast today, I have Brittany Conkey. Brittany is a certified personal trainer and owner of the Foundry Gym Queen Creek. Originally from Chicago, Brittany was a physical education teacher for 12 years in which she co-managed the high school strength and conditioning program for one of the top schools in the state. In 2015, she made the decision to move to Phoenix and go back to her passion, personal training and coaching. Her vast experiences as a college athlete, figures competitor, and national level power lifter, coupled with years of education from top of the top in the industry, she has built a toolbox of multifaceted approaches, all built on sustainable, effective practices. Her motto is like the gyms, made to last. And it's through fitness in which we can fuel that desire. Welcome to the podcast, Brittany. All right. And we're live. All right. <laughs> I know. It's always that weird, like, segue into this thing. But um, how are things? They're good. They're they're busy. Busy? But good. Yeah. Well, well yeah, because you guys just barely officially took over that, took over, bought the gym, rebranded, did the whole thing, like, what, three weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah. April 1st was our official first day transition. So it's been a few weeks of being exhausted, but invigorated at the same time. It's kind of a weird feeling. Yeah. No, small business stuff, like starting something and starting something that you're passionate about like that is that is very much that way. Like if I, if you were probably working for somebody else trying to put in the hours that you were working in, you'd, you'd be like, no, I'm no, but this isn't worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've been there before. It was a teacher for 12 years where... That's right. I forgot you were a PE teacher, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I taught, you know, I would start school at seven something and often I would coach afterwards and I wouldn't get done till seven or eight. And it was just like, all right, well, putting in the time, but it didn't fuel the same kind of passion that I have now. Right. Now, when you're teaching like that and you're coaching, do they pay you extra for coaching and staying after and stuff? Yes, they do. But teaching out in Chicago, where I'm originally from, and teaching out here in Arizona are completely different. Well, yeah, I'm sure in Chicago they got better union, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I know. I've, I've I've actually known a few people that were teachers out in Chicago, and they were retired, and they were still getting paid like serious money off their pensions. and yeah. Yeah, but that's also probably why the state of Illinois is so financially uh, disrupt. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And yeah, and I don't know what the education system is like in the city of Chicago. Um, I mean, the city itself is completely different. I was out in the suburbs, but we still, I mean, we had a great, great union, a great, you know, school board, school district, but... That way of life is a lot different than out here, you know, the teacher life out here. So, so what was the, what was the big difference between teaching out in Chicago and teaching here? <sighs> About 10 years difference. I mean, we were probably 10 years forward from what Arizona oh, is. Oh, yeah. really? And how do you mm-hmm. mean 10 years forward? Like Just everything, technology, resources, um, way of thinking, to be quite honest. Huh. But I don't know that it's necessarily that we were ahead or is that, you know, Arizona, especially the Phoenix area, wasn't as 
developed as it is now, to be quite honest. You know, Phoenix is still a pretty young city. For sure. So No, people don't realize. Like, I, I tell people, so I'm a native. Right. I'm actually, I'm a fourth, yeah, like a fourth or fifth generation Arizonan. Wow. So, yeah, no, like, roots are deep. Like, I have, like, my grandparents remember when, like, there was still dirt roads around Mesa and Scottsdale. Wow. Like Scottsdale and Mesa. Yeah. Like you had to do it. There was a dirt road that you took between Scottsdale. Yeah. And like I grew up basically everything east. And for people who don't live here, like I know this isn't going to probably be all that interesting, but, but east of like Val Vista Mm -hmm. was nothing. There was nothing there growing up. It was nothing but, uh, orange groves. There was a dairy farm. And then you were in the desert starting around Higley. Wow. Just east of Higley, right around Wrecker was the desert. Like there was nothing out there. And where all that development is, where the 202 is, 202 Mm -hmm. didn't exist. Right. 101 didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Um, And all of those houses were, again, where that all is now was Orange Groves and Indian Reservation land. That's so crazy. Yeah. So no, Phoenix, Phoenix by all intents, for all intents and purposes is a really still very young city. I mean, just evidenced by the fact that like ASU being downtown Phoenix. Yeah. Um, I mean, we just barely got like, a. there's now in the last five years, sort of like a, a burgeoning and thriving scene downtown mm-hmm. previously. You couldn't have paid me enough money to go to downtown <laughs> Phoenix for fear of being shot, stabbed, or like needled yeah, with yeah. drugs. Like, no, it was, yeah, you, you didn't go to downtown for any other reason other than to go to a game. Yeah, I could see that. So, no, I, I get that. And then did you taught, where'd you, t- did you do elementary school? No, I did um, junior high and high school. Oh, right on. Yeah, so high school was definitely my favorite of the two. Oh, did you? Yeah. yeah. My, my wife taught, she was a dance teacher oh, at, cool. at a school and she loved working with the high school kids. Yeah. Yeah. It was a cool age. I mean, the last job that I had in Chicago, um, I was one of two teachers that ran our strength and conditioning program. I ran the weight room. So I was teaching oh. teenagers how to lift. Yeah. I mean, we did all the power lifts. Um, so that's clean. unusual. Yeah. Yeah. We had a great setup. We were one of few schools in the whole country that, kind of had that program put together. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know there's a lot of, like a lot of schools out here have the strength and conditioning programs, but I have, you, you would be the first woman I know that <laughs> helped or ran a school strength and conditioning program. Yeah. Yeah. I was one of few. That's impressive. Country. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So did you work high school out here then too? Yeah, I did. I worked at Arcadia high school. Oh, did you? Um, for a little bit. Yeah. How long were you there? I was there three years in my first... Do you know Troy Gerlach? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was one of my co-workers. Yeah, he's their baseball coach, right? Yep. So mm-hmm. Troy's wife, Tara, mm-hmm. um, we used to work together. Oh, cool. And she's like a legit therapist, legit baseball therapist. Trained. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. She's amazing. Yeah, I've heard some stories about her. Yeah. No, yeah. she's she's fantastic. Yeah. So, okay. So Arcadia. So what'd you coach out at Arcadia? I didn't coach when I was at Arcadia. So okay. when I moved out to Arizona, I made the decision that I wasn't going to coach. And that's actually what brought me back into personal training because I wanted to fill the time, fill the gap with something. So I got back into it. And originally I was personal training when I was like 19, 20. And I got out of it because I was like, eh, I don't really want to do this. Like whatever. Yeah. And uh, so I guess let's start from the beginning. Uh, 
when I went into college, I wanted to be strength conditioning coach. I wanted to go exercise science. And when I was down in the University of Tampa, I realized that at that time, there weren't many women in the field. Mm-hmm. And I also realized that the average day of a strength conditioning coach was 12 to 15 hours. And I was like, yeah, it's probably not what I want to do. So I went into PE and teaching. And so, you know, I did that for... 12 years and I realized that, you know what, that is my passion. I do want to teach strength conditioning, but I want to do it in a little bit of a different manner. I don't necessarily want to be in a college weight room. I want to have my own weight room. So right on. So you've been personal training then. So how, how young are you? I am 37. Okay. So 37 (laughs) started doing personal training. Let's just call it 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been doing, you've been in and out doing this thing now for 20 years. How, how do you feel like How do you feel like personal training has changed in 20 years? I feel like there's way more information out there now, which Uh is a good thing. You know, we we now can decipher between what is actually evidence-based and what's not. But I think from a consumer standpoint, it could be very overwhelming because what do you believe? You know, you've got one trainer or coach telling you one thing and then one saying, the complete opposite. Oh so. yeah, no. the The dogma, like the the dogma online, is real. It's this is the absolute truth. Do this one, like, and everybody's honing in on one thing. Yes. yes. And do this, and the rest of that is all snake oil and garbage, right? Exactly. And then you got this guy's going. That guy is snake oil and garbage. I'm the truth. Like. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's very overwhelming. It's a lot to sift through. So I feel like to. You know, the last 20 years, we've seen how how that thought process can impact people in a negative way. And I think that there's now this emergence of people who are like, no, it's not one or the other. It's all about balance and it's all about creating some sort of, you know, program system, whatever that fits the person at that point in time. Um, I also think that there's also a big push for strength training, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like barbell work um, that I don't think was really evident in, you know, back in the early 2000s, or at least not mainstream. So what, yeah, so what was more, what would what would be sort of typical of a personal training session if you weren't used, because honestly, if, you, if you're not using a barbell and dumbbells, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, and that was very evident. I mean, I'm, I can say firsthand, I worked in a commercial gym and I had no idea how to use a barbell. I didn't use a barbell until I found CrossFit at the age of 29. So, you know, and I played college sports and all that. We never used a barbell. Even in college sports? Yeah. What sport did you play? I played softball. And you guys didn't, like, I can't even fathom. Yeah. I mean, I feel like now standard, like, is you guys, is D1 programs are doing power cleans and and jerks and split jerks and Mm -hmm. deadlifts and squats, right? Yeah. I mean, I had my 16-year-old high school students doing that stuff. So so, so what did you do? So (laughs) So what did you do? We ran ran burpee or ran suicides and, you know, did the machines and all of that kind of stuff and the plyometric. No one was teaching us how to squat. No one was teaching us deadlifts or any of that. Were they even teaching you how to dose plyo? Like, no. like when you're in, in your certs and stuff? Um, not really, to be quite honest. It was all just about... Just do a bunch of box jumps. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, no so. starting like, hey, we're gonna do some level one plyos and eventually work our way to level two, right? And yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It, it was a completely different way of training, I think. But then also too, you know, I hate to throw out the gender card here, but I was a female athlete. Like, they didn't care. Like, they were just kind of like, okay, like let's say we're going to the weight room and just do like a circuit of some dumbbell work and. You're saying, stuff. Are you saying the coaches didn't care, the players didn't care, or nobody cared? I just don't think – I don't even know if it's care or just maybe it was ignorant to sure. what could be. Be possible? Yeah. yeah. I get that. Well, and, and let's be real. Like, unfortunately, I know college sports is supposed to be about amateur, right, amateur sports, development, love of the game, all that yeah. kind of stuff, right? But as we have clearly seen with NIL, mm-hmm. right – it's not for for the university it is 100% about dollars. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so if your program is not bringing in, which I imagine the softball programs don't bring no. in a tremendous amount of money. No, exactly. Like okay. Yeah. Cool. We're not going to develop and spend a whole lot of time and effort on Right. Cuz I imagine where'd you go to uh, University of Tampa? Um, and then, well, I started at uh, Moraine Valley Community College. Is that you played softball? Mhm. Yeah. So, and do they have a football team? No. Okay, so at least from what I know about being at a big D1 university, the football team has their own facilities, yeah, right? Absolutely. Their own weight room, their own stuff. So does the basketball team. Mm-hmm. Like I went to BYU and they just got, there's a place called, the, they play in a place called the Marriott Center. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a really big, actually good sized arena, but they just added what they call the Marriott Center Annex, mm-hmm. which is a whole separate building off and connected to the Marriott Center that has weight room, actually has exact like replica floor of the Marriott Center to make sure that, right, they can basically not lose anything as they go in between the two. Yeah. And their own weight room and and facilities, locker rooms, and it is exclusively for basketball, men's and women's. But nobody else gets to use it. Yeah. Football has their own training facilities. Nobody gets to use it. Everybody else... Oh, baseball has their own facilities. Everybody else has to deal with it. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so you did personal training, then you went and did the PE route. Now, mm-hmm. did you like teaching? I mean, did you enjoy teaching PE? I did. Or no? I, I do really. I mean, I think about it. I still teach. I'm just teaching right. in a different manner. I do really cherish those years that I was teaching, especially in the weight room. I personally just got a little bit sick of the other stuff that teachers have to deal with, whether that be, you know, from the administrative standpoint, um, hate to say it, parents, you know, it was never about, (laughs) don't hate to say it. Parents are, (laughs) parents are a nightmare. (laughs) Parents are a disaster. (laughs) Like, especially, especially parents of kids that are in like, look, I get it. You, you, your little special darling is going to play in the majors. Right. Newsflash, the percentage of people that make it to the major leagues and the people get stuck in the minors and the pe- percentage of people that even make it to college is so small. Yeah. And I'm sorry, your kid's not that talented. Yeah. And that was actually one of the reasons why I got a coaching my last two years of coaching softball. So the school that I was at in Illinois, we had one of the best softball teams in the state. Like okay. we, we were a hotbed area for softball. Yeah. And with that, we had a lot of players and parents that thought that their child was the best. And when you're at the school where 30 other kids are also the best, you know, it creates 
some challenge. And, um, and, and you, the person who's technically has got no emotional investment in any of these kids outside of my job is to win, mm-hmm. then yeah, I can see, and my job is to put together a squad that may not be made up of the best players, but the players that work together and make the best unit. I think that's hard for a lot of people to understand. Yes. So like, for example, when I played basketball, yeah, all six feet of six feet, 220 pounds of me, <laughs> right? Like they put me, I, I played the five position, Yeah. which is super weird because everybody else that I had to guard was six, 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 seven, right? But interestingly enough, even though I wasn't a great, I didn't score a whole lot of points, you pulled me, it was interesting, you pulled me out of that unit, put in the, the, the guy, the other guy who was taller, better shooter, whatever, that unit somehow fell apart. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I, anything special, but for some reason we had a chemistry that worked well. There's something to be said about the synergy of a team, the way that someone can come in there and just completely change the energy of the entire field. And that's when I think a lot of parents don't realize that as a coach, we don't just look at the data, you know, what your batting average is and strikeouts or whatever it may be. We're looking at can this girl fill a role that I need her to fill? Can this girl be the person that when she's on the bench, she's not pouting in the corner, she's up on the fence and cheering her team on and all that stuff. And, you know, trying to portray that and convey that to people was challenging. Yeah. Which is a coach too. A coach can do that same thing. You could have have the best team in the world. Well, as evidence this year, I don't know if you follow basketball. Yeah. The Lakers. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, that team should have been NBA champs. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing made me, nothing made me happier (laughs) than they didn't even make the freaking playoffs and they got, and it was the Suns that basically put them out. So go Suns right now. (laughs) Yeah. Prayers, prayers, prayers for Devin Booker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But no, so I get it. Like that's, that's, that's a tough, I mean, I have to deal with that sometimes. Yeah. Look, and I and I I love working with youth. I do. I love working with youth athletes. I I really do. It's one of my favorite things because they are most of them are really into getting better. They want to get better and they're they're ready to listen. But what's hard is with the over specialization of youth sports, the hyper specialization and early specialization of youth sports. I've got parents and kids who are like, I got kids who are like 10, I've treated kids who are like 11 playing soccer or baseball. And they're like, yeah, no, I have a tournament next week. My elbow is killing me. It's an eight out of 10 pain. I can't even grip a baseball, but I need you to, I need to be ready for that tournament. And I was like, well, when, when's your off season? I have about two weeks between uh, this tournament and the next tournament. I'm like, you've got, so you're playing more games a year with a developing body than a, than a major league baseball player plays with a fully developed adult, awesome body. And he's taking a whole off season and you're giving yourself yeah. two weeks. I, I saw it in, in teaching and coaching the same thing. I mean, again, when I was at the junior high level, I saw phenoms in our area was very well known for baseball and softball. And I saw kids in the junior high level, you know, what would that be? 12, 13 years old where yeah. I'm like, 
this kid's going to end up playing in the pros. And then come to see them a few years later, because I ended up teaching at the same high school, 16, 17, not only are they broken, they're burnt out, and they want nothing to do with the sport. I saw that several times. I remember specifically one girl that I coached, she had been playing travel softball since I want to say eight or nine. And in travel, I mean like all year round, you're playing 100 plus games. And by the time she got into high school, into her sophomore year, not only had she plateaued, but you could just see it. She did not have the same love for, uh, for the game. So this was someone that as she was being looked at as a seventh or eighth grader from high D1 level schools, by the time she got to high school, she lost all of it because she was just, she was broken. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, it's sad. You see yeah. it, you see it a lot. Um, and it's unfortunate, right? Because I don't know. My opinion is this. There are very few people that can work themselves into a, to a division one scholarship. I agree. Right. And there's very few people. There's even fewer people that with hard, like really hard, 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 dedicated work can get themselves to an NBA or an M or to a professional level, right? Mm -hmm. Elite level. What I think a lot of people fail to understand is that most of those people are genetic outliers and wildly genetically gifted. Yes. And what they needed was somebody to point them in the right direction, give them a little bit of direction, right? Mm -hmm. But like, there's very few, if any, kids that by playing 100 games a year and working with a developmental coach all the time are going to be anything yeah. from that yeah. other than burnt out and, and injured. Yeah. I mean, I can speak from, you know, personal experience that I am so glad I started at the community college level, not only incredibly financially cheaper, but I was able to develop, but also play every game and start and just refine my skills even further. And then once I got to that next level, I was ready. And I actually coached a couple of girls that did the same thing. One in particular, she played at the Tal uh, Tallahassee Community College, which is neighbor to um, University of Florida. And she ended up getting a scholarship to another D1 school, and she became like an All-American. But she yeah. would have never gotten that opportunity had she not started at the community level. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And she probably took some time off in in after her season, right? And sure, she played soft, some softball, but she probably worked on her skills rather than like playing a million tournament games. Yeah, she was a multi-sport athlete. Yeah. yeah. And most people need, most kids would benefit from multi-sport, learning how to be athletic yeah. first. Exactly. And then transferring into a hyper or some sort of specialization later on. Yeah. Yeah. I fully believe that you should not specialize until earliest, maybe sophomore, junior in high school. And even then, I, I don't think for most people it's probably warranted. 
I hate to say, especially females, like we're not going to the pros. We're not going to be making millions of dollars doing this. I mean, maybe, you know, by the end of our lifetime, we will. But right now, like you need to think. I'm just thinking, what's the top WNBA salary? Do you know? I mean, that's, that's, that's probably, that's probably the, the biggest league yeah, yeah. For, for women's sports, right? I would agree. Yeah. It's Unless you're be. going for the Olympics, which I think the pursuit of a medal is more an internal thing. Like you're not going to make a bunch of money. You're going to get a gold medal. Unless you're that half oh, Chinese, <laughs> half American chick that yeah. decided she's going to don't even get me. Nothing pissed me off more. Then when like, because here's the thing, all of her development, all of her coaching, all of her, everything, her snowboarding, skiing, whatever was done in the United States under the USOC, under USA snowboarding or skiing. And all of a sudden she goes, nope, I'm going to China because she's going to make, obviously make way more money in China. Yeah. Right. She's going to get way more deals, but this is the problem. Yes, my politics are showing. But <laughs> when you, if she wants to become a Chinese citizen, guess what? China doesn't allow for dual citizenship. Right. It's so, one or the other. So that means that she had to abdicate her U.S. citizenship. Are you freaking kidding me? Come on. Good luck. But yeah, a lot. Of, but that's what I'm saying. Like then if she, it, like, and, and my opinion is this, if you abdicate your U.S. citizenship to go compete for another country because that's what you want to do, then guess what? Good luck. You're deported. Go live in China. You ain't getting a visa back here ever again. Like. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> that frustrated me, obviously. But yeah, you're right. The Olympics, sure. I, I agree. The, the pursuit of a medal and being recognized as the best in the world at your, at your individual sport, huge accomplishment. Yes. But those women also who, now I get it. Like if you're, unless you're ridiculously good looking, <laughs> like you're not going to get endorsement deals for, what's that, skeleton? Yeah. Like right. the Winter Olympic skeleton or like badminton, right? Right, right. But- if you're a swimmer, if you're a volleyball player, if you're like you now, I guess skating, yeah, like you're going to get, or a figure skater, you are going to get endorsement deals, right? I don't know how much they pay because the U.S. pays too. The U bonus, I think, if you actually win a medal. Yeah, but you get I didn't paid. think it's not it very was much. that much. No, it's not. It's only like, well, I say not that much, which is like some people's whole salary, I think. <laughs> how much do you get paid for an Olympic medal? Gold medal? Oh, yeah, it's, you get $37,000 for an Olympic gold medal. I mean, as far as pro sports go and the money in pro sports, that's not very much. No. Now, do you want to hear something that'll make you sick? Yeah. Here is the highest paid, well, I guess, look, I think they're getting paid a lot of money for eyes that are on the sport. I'm sorry, I'm going to take a lot of hate for this one. Women's basketball, WNBA, not even the same game. Not even the same sport. Like, I'm sorry. I, I would have and, to agree. And, and, and what they're doing is phenomenal. Like, it's incredible for, for that, for women's basketball. But, like, I don't want to watch it because I think it's boring. But that's just me. And maybe I just don't <laughs> understand the thing. But check it out. So uh, the, for 2022, the highest paid is here in Phoenix – her Mercury or Diana Tarasi, twenty two two hundred and twenty eight thousand ninety four dollars. 
So she has a two-year deal of worth $449,544. And that's probably the lowest paid that's the male? Uh, no. Let's see. What's league minimum? League minimum NBA. League minimum. The NBA. Oh, jeez. All right. Here we go. NBA minimum salary. So let's put this back. Steph Curry just signed a four-year, $215 million contract. Okay? Now, if you look at this, for a minimum, minimum rookie contract, $925,258. Almost a million dollars. Let's say you stay in the league for one year. Guess what? Goes up to $1.5 million. Let's say you're a dude who sits on the bench. You've made a wonderful career in the NBA of being a journeyman dude who, like, you're, you're a number 11 on the depth chart. You don't see any minutes. You just practice. Let's say you've been in the league for six years. Two mil. I'll take it. For doing nothing. <laughs> like, I mean, like, for just playing, for just playing the game, like, yeah. in practice. Yeah. Yeah. Save you, your body, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Do like, something else on the side? Why yeah, not? Yeah. Kickers? Like Oh god, yeah. Yeah, that's, like that's the, the best. But like yeah. the NFL, right? Like the the league minimum. So you're right. I, I I take your point, right? Like Yeah, women's sports, unless you're just wanting to be you have this internal drive to be the best of the best of the best of whatever your sport is, not caring about monetary value, right? Not caring about monetary return, then yeah, go for it. Go yeah. for the Olympics, right? Yeah, absolutely. Do your thing. But like you're right, the hyper the hyper specialization early on for women's sports, unless like or unless you're trying to get your college paid for and yes. get now like there are some now there is some with the name, you can actually make more money with your name, image, and likeness in college than you could have ever made uh doing anything else. I could see that. And I'll be honest, I was one of those ones that I pursued softball for that reason. I wanted to pay for college. Yeah, which which I think is also admirable, especially with the exorbitant cost of college. Yeah. But LSU Gymnastics' Olivia Dunn mm-hmm. announces first NIL brand deal. Guess who her deal was with? Who? Viore. So she's now, as a, as a gymnast, making, I think, her deal was worth like couple million as a gymnast well viore is going to be the next lululemon so well right but she's she's got but she also right has like 5.7 million followers so yeah, that's a whole yeah. different realm yeah, right like yeah. there's a whole thing there but yeah. anyway we digress <laughs> um so yeah money no i agree and hyper specialization of of kids early on I, you just don't i don't think you learn how to be athletic that way no i and i don't think you learn to be an athlete you know, first and foremost, like you're super specialized in, let's say, softball, but you have no skill set to jump or do anything else outside of the lines of a softball field. Right. Yeah. Like I, I've had opportunity to play with like dudes who played D1 football mm-hmm. um, and those dudes and they were like some of them were linemen. Those dudes can move, right? Oh, yeah. But like they, but they played other sports too, like growing up, right? They yeah. played basketball and they did some other stuff, but like they learned how to be athletes. Yeah. And so it's, it's wild watching a dude who's like six, six, 300 plus pounds 
have a wicked fast first step and like take you to the rack off the dribble. It's, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I bet. But, but no, you're right. Yeah. You need to learn how to be an athlete. That's funny. Like I see people who are like, Oh dude, you're so good at CrossFit. You've got to be good at like other stuff. And some of these guys, I'm like, no, that dude's not an athlete. Like he's an athlete in that he competes in a sport, yeah. but you ask that guy to do anything outside of a sagittal plane. <laughs> Dude's hose. I saw it in powerlifting. I mean, we we are the worst for that stuff. If it's not like a squat, bench, or deadlift or some sort of variation, forget it. Right? <laughs> Lights out. <laughs> and I've noticed I've treated a couple of powerlifters too, and they have a hard time even with the with the eccentric piece of that yes. deadlift. Mm-hmm. Like riding the bar down every single time. Yeah. Even on light lifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it- how so did you competed in powerlifting? Yeah. Or did you compete I, Olympic? Uh, I did powerlifting for seven years. Holy cow. Wait, was it six or seven years? Yeah, one of Are those. Are there a lot yeah. of women in that sport? Now there is. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, well, that's what I mean. I've seen it, I've seen it more and more now, yeah, but yeah. when I you think, were doing um, it. I think the introduction into it via CrossFit, but then also seeing some of these mainstream powerlifters kind of come to the forefront has helped grow the sport exponentially. Yeah. So... Were you raw or equipped? Raw. Okay. Yeah. Feelings unequipped? Any that um, you wanna any 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 hard hot takes you wanna take? The only thing I thought of with equipped is no one should be doing equipped before they do raw. Okay. And I saw that actually quite a bit. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like if you can't move your raw body weight, like why are you putting equipment on? Right. That yeah, didn't make a lot of sense. I mean, who who am I to judge like Go do whatever you want to do. Yeah, whatever makes you happy, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think I still think Raw's better than Equipped. I think Equipped is cheating, and I don't. Yeah. I don't see the point. I'd rather I'd rather know how strong I am without equipment. That that is my personal take too. But because what when when something fall like when there's something super heavy that you have to lift off of something out in real life, well you can hold on a second. Let me get my let me get my deadlift <laughs> or my squat suit out. Yeah. No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I, I just have it in the car. Yeah, I will say with Equipped. It is a skill. Like there is a definite skill of learning how to use that equipment to sure. your advantage. So I can see it in that sense of okay. like, okay, you're learning a skill, like you're gaining some competitive advantage in that learning acquisition, but... Does it transition though to when it's off? No, because I've seen that firsthand too. Then then it's then yeah. it's stupid. It's pointless yeah. in my mind. Yeah. But uh, yeah, equipped, equipped power lifters come at me. <laughs> I'll run. You won't be able you'll run five feet and you'll need to go sit down and, and eat some gummy bears. Oh, the gummy bears. Oh, right? Yeah. In between I just did. Right? Then my yeah. my friend Leon Bradford who was on here, he's like, Yeah, I just did like one one rep. I need to go sit down and eat some gummy bears and make yeah. sure I get my sugars. Yeah, my sugars. So, so was that, uh, did you get turned on to powerlifting through CrossFit? Through CrossFit, yeah. Yeah, okay. so I actually found CrossFit through suggestion by a friend of mine who was like, hey, I think you should try this. And prior to that, um, I was out of the gym, to be quite honest. I was out of the gym most of my 20s because in my early 20s, I did a figure competition in which completely destroyed me. Um, yeah, it'll mess with your head. Yeah. Uh, full-blown eating disorder, just all, everything. So most of my 20s was spent partying in the bar and just being dumb and not taking care of myself. Isn't so, that what, Isn't that what happens in most people's 20s? <laughs> um, so 
once I finally, you know, cleaned up my act and I was like, all right, I'm going to get into something. And at first I started just getting back into running and I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to start with walking and then run a little bit. And I ended up doing a half marathon and I was like, all right, that was cool. Like I kind of got back into it, but it's not the same. Like I'm not a runner. Like you see me, I'm, I'm not built to run. So Built for a life of hardship is my cousin Jess, who was on here. Said, "Did you? I don't know if you ever saw." That one, so no. she's no, she's a uh, she's Quadzilla. Yeah, like okay. she's 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 a competitive Olympic lifter. Okay, she's also third degree black belt in her chosen awesome. martial art. Like yeah, and she's she's ripped. She's got massive quads, and and yeah. Yeah. Anyway, her coach has told her, like, Jess, you're built for a life of hardship. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. and it's the most, like, loving compliment, right? Like, it's yeah. not, it's not a, it's not a, no, it's just, you're, you're, you're not built to, you're yeah. not built for yeah. endurance. I mean, I'm, I'm sure once people see my picture and be like, built oh, I speed. get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that was that. And then, like I said, my, so friend, no ultra for you, not new, you know, no, no joining Will on ultra. No, I'll be there supporting him every step of the way, but He'd be his run as crew chief. But yeah, yeah, I'll do if there's like a hundred yard sprint race, I'll do that. There you go. <laughs> um, so yeah, got into CrossFit and I loved it. I, I loved everything about it. That was the first introduction into barbell work and powerlifting and all of that. And I actually had a coach who thankfully like taught me and 11 other girls how to lift. We had this class called Girls Gone Strong and it was oh, all about cool. like just teaching the main lifts and we ran through a modified conjugate program and fell in love with it. And he was actually the one that was like, you know what, Britt, I know you love CrossFit, but like the bar and gymnastics stuff is really not your thing. Like you like to lift. Like, why don't you try this thing called powerlifting? I was like, all right, whatever. So I trained for this meet and I ended up winning my class. I set a uh, state record and I was awesome. like, all right, well, here we go. So that was so, the next. <laughs> like, so, so I'm doing this now. Yeah. <laughs> so I found my thing. Um, and that was the next seven years. So I competed um, multiple federations, state, uh, national level. I got a couple records. And I just really found that it was enjoyable to be lifting for a sense of like, okay, I'm trying to see how much more I can get and how I can progress. And it wasn't necessarily about, okay, can I exercise and train in order to get skinny? Like that was my approach before, you know, right. how can I get as skinny as possible? So, um, yeah, it just, the sport itself completely changed the way that I look at training, but then also just this entire journey. Yeah. So did CrossFit and powerlifting, did that help with sort of the mind F of Absolutely. Because no longer was I being judged on, oh, you have huge quads and you're not proportional and blah, blah, blah. Now it was like, oh, my God, like you're so strong. You can do this. Or every week I was seeing improvement. So my focus was less on the external and more on the internal and more on what I could do. It wasn't about what I wasn't. It was more what can I do and how can I progress that way? It's a huge. No, I think that's a huge thing. And kind of, an, oh, I just lost it. You said, and I'll have to go back, but it was, it wasn't, it was more internal. It wasn't about what I wasn't. Right. Yeah. yeah it wasn't what, it wasn't about what you weren't, but more I about weren't. what, what you were and who you could be. Right. And, how, exactly. and what you could do. And that's a, that's a powerful 
place to approach your fitness from. Yeah. It allowed me to not only completely shift my mindset, but also approach the journey a lot differently. So it wasn't all of this like yo-yo back and forth of like, oh, I didn't lose weight. I'm a failure. Like blah, blah, blah. Like many people, especially women succumb to. Yeah. Now it was like, okay, I'm going to trust myself and trust this journey and know that if I keep putting in the work, like these things will happen. And it allowed me to also eliminate the factor of time. I completely just said, okay, if I was training for a meet, I've got 12, 16 weeks, I'm going to follow this program. And on that day, whatever happens, happens. And that then also allowed me to disconnect from the expectation of like, I should be this or I should do this. Right. It just allowed me to train. Yeah. You're like, this is what I'm training for. This is the program. We're going to work that yeah. program. Yeah. And if it doesn't have the desired outcome, then guess what? We retool the program and there's another one. Exactly. And I think that's what may have been a key to some of the success I had because I never went into meets thinking, I'm going to win. I'm going to beat this person. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It was just more or less like, okay, we're going to see how this program worked. Interesting. This is such a different mindset than, than most competitors have. I I mean, I can see how people go into that sport thinking like, I'm just going to dominate and I'm going to win. And I think that having so many years of sports under my belt and even competing in bodybuilding figure, you don't know what's going to happen that day. Right. You don't know who's going to show up. You don't know how you're going to show up. You don't know what the judges are going to call and, and all of that stuff. So you don't know what kind why, of news you're going to get that day from somebody who, yeah, right? There's what, just too many factors that come into play. Right. It's fascinating. No, the, the whole, that piece of competition is super interesting to me. Like I was talking with somebody who's competing in Olympic weightlifting coming up here real soon. And uh, they were telling me, they go, I don't know what it is. I get to a comp. I can, I have to power my first snatch Yeah, because I can't, I, for whatever reason, my form falls. Like I can't get into a full catch at the bottom yeah. on my first one. Mm-hmm. And everyone after that full catch, no problem. Yeah. And they're like, I don't know what it is. Like it just, it's mad. Like the psychology of that for them is it's this worry i don't know it's this worry of like what if i miss my first one okay so what if you miss your first one yeah sports psychology is fascinating i took a class in college um during my master's and it's i can see how it's a whole nother realm of this piece and how you know professional athletes have actual sports psychologists because it plays such a huge part in in everything and i think that that's why i'm so fascinated with kind of mindset and behavior approach and coaching even with my clients because it's like I can give you the program I can give you macros I can give you all that shit but if you don't have the with itness in your head to kind of unravel your own shit and say okay this is why I self-sabotage or this is why I approach this this way and never get the results like it doesn't matter right so it's a whole nother piece to the game same thing with competing I mean you have to have a I guess an athlete mindset, but at the same time, your idea of an athlete's mindset might be different from this person. So you got to find what works for that person. Yeah. Which is right. I guess, which is why pro sports teams employ sports psychologists, college colleges now have sports psychologists on hand. Yeah. Um, which is why in the last season of Ted Lasso, they brought a sports psych. Did you see Ted Lasso? Uh Uh-uh. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. 
You got to watch it. Is it a like a documentary or no? It's a, a Disney Plus. No, not Disney Plus. It's an Apple Apple TV Plus show. Oh, okay. With Jason Sudeikis. Okay. It's an interesting premise. Real quick, it's uh, so Jason Sudeikis is a college football coach in America. Okay. Who gets hired by a British Premier Soccer Club to be their head coach. Okay. Because the lady who owns the team, who got the team in the in like her divorce, <laughs> she wants nothing more than to tank this team because her ex husband loves this team more than her. She feels right, like yeah. And, but it 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 turns and he's like Midwest. He's from Kansas, like folksy, yeah. nice to everybody, and it it was the most surprising show to me. Because they it, it was based off of like a commercial. Really? That Jason Sudeikis, like they did for the British Premier League here in America. And they turned it into a whole like series. And it's the most sweet, positive, like show. It's it's one of my favorite shows. Yeah. And it, it the character development, the thing, like it's, I didn't realize or anticipate caring about those characters as much as I, as I ended up caring about that show. And it was really, it's a, just a really well done show. All right. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. You'll have to check it out. But anyway, they bring in a sports psychologist and that was kind of the, cause one of these guys, Danny Roja, <laughs> one of the guys kills, kills the mascot <laughs> on a penalty kick. The dog gets loose and he, it's a greyhound. He kicks the ball so hard that he kills the poor greyhound. And then now he, he can't like, he can't play soccer in anyway. Yeah. Oh. I'm not gonna, you just got to watch it. All right. I got it. No, it's good. Um, but so well, I think that's like interesting. I haven't, somebody else had talked about it with me actually just today. We were talking and you brought it up when you're talking about macros and stuff, but like, have you ever looked at Noom? I've not, I've heard, this is like the third time I've heard of this. Well, somebody talked to me about it today too. And uh, that it, they approach macros and eating more from like a psychological point standpoint and like building in psychology in yeah. your program to like i yeah. just wonder if you'd have, if you'd had any experience with it no i've not no i mean i know that precision nutrition does a little bit in their cert but i've not heard of anyone else but to be quite honest um i haven't really looked into anyone else's cert to be fully transparent okay so precision nutrition is that is that popular amongst everybody? Cause like, I feel like most like CrossFit gyms now, when they do nutritional stuff, it's through precision nutrition. I think they're kind of the go-to for many people, at least getting started. Um, from what I've heard of it, and obviously I'm sure you'll get some feedback if I'm completely off, but level one cert is more about building the foundational aspect of nutrition and building people's just baseline knowledge and habits. And then from there, I think level two goes a little bit more deep into, okay, if this person is an athlete, these are their special requirements. Or if this person has some sort of metabolic, um, not disorder, but you know, inadequacy, this is how you would approach it and so forth. Interesting. Yeah. But I do know that the first level one has some psychology in there because they do. So you can go on there and you can see their whole like they've, they have a bunch of different like worksheets and evaluation tools and things like that that are free. And you can tell within their questioning, they're 
they're putting a psychology aspect into things. Okay. And have you ever heard of this thing, the RP? Oh yeah, I've done that. Is it what what what's your thoughts on this? My thoughts on the RP app were and this was I actually used it to start prepping for 2019 nationals and I had to stop because um this is the thing I have with apps. Apps are our no. technology, right? Yeah. It's an AI. It doesn't know you as a person. So it's going to go by an algorithm. And so what I was finding was because I wasn't losing the desired weight that the app thought I could or should be losing, it was lowering me in calories every week. And at one mm. point, and how RP works is it goes by you have this meal every day and mm-hmm. you say whether or not you did it. Now, if it's changed since then, I'm sure someone will correct me, but this was back in 2019. So when I did look at what it had me eating and I ca- you know, I totaled the calories, at the lowest it was having me down to like 900 calories. Oh my gosh. And I'm thinking to myself, here I am. I'm a strength athlete. You can I I have quite a bit of muscle on me. Yeah. There's no reason I should be at 900 calories. And I'm thinking to myself, how many people are just blindly following this? Like, yeah, I, I I had to get away from it. And at that point, I hired someone to take on my nutrition. But now, fast forward, I'm actually using Lean Norton's app, the Carbon app. Hmm. Okay. Um, it's amazing. It is uh, so it completely generate your macros and your targets and then it starts to learn you Hmm. and your goals and it will adjust weekly based on your compliance and this was a big thing that i see with a lot of people is that compliance needs to be within a set range right so you need to be hitting your targets you know 90 percent of the time within that week and that's how this works and it'll adjust based on it I tell you, it's the best. Interesting. I think it's like 50 bucks for the year, 60 bucks. It's great. For someone that maybe doesn't want to hire a coach and just needs to take kind of the thinking element out of it, but can understands nutrition, can follow macros, doesn't need a lot of like behavior coaching. This is great. This is what I would recommend. Interesting. Okay. The carbon app. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah, I'll look into it because I know I've, I've seen some people promote, is it RP? Yeah. RP app. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I, that's the only, and then Noom is the only other one that ever shows up on. Yeah. So Noom shows up in my like feed and stuff a lot. And then yeah. I know some people that promote this P, RP app and then, yeah. uh, here at the gym that we're in that my office is inside of gateway fitness, they use precision nutrition, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's all about, you have to meet someone where they're at. Right. So if I told someone, um, let's say a 50 year old woman who is just now kind of taking your nutrition seriously, if I told her, okay, download this app and track everything that you eat for the next three weeks, she's going to be like, are you kidding me? I don't yeah. What's a food scale. So that's where you have to have as a professional, like, you know, the right tool in the toolbox for that person. Yeah. No, hundred percent. That's a, no, I, I, I completely agree. That's just, I think there's are so many, that's the other, like we talked about earlier, information. There's so much information, so many apps, so many people telling, right? Yes. And, and I talked about this with, uh, Ross just this week. And we, most people will try something like this. They'll do it for two weeks 
and they'll go, well, I'm not getting the results that I wanted, so screw it. And then they're done. Exactly. Right. And, and truly like if you were going to go through and that's the other part, right? If you were really going to go through and try each of these kinds of things, you would have to do RP nutrition app for like six to eight weeks Yeah. and go, okay, this actually, and, and be compliant and go, okay, this didn't work. Right. And then you'd actually have to go, okay, I'm going to try now Noom for six to eight weeks. Like you have to give stuff a minimum yeah. six weeks. I, I always tell people to be honest, a minimum 12 weeks. I say, you've got to give something at least three months for you to see any sort of change. Now you're going to see change. You're going to feel change within yourself. I think really, you know, four to six weeks, you're going to notice that. But if you want like scale, weight change, inch change, you know, uh, whatever your me measure of progress is, you've got to give it some time. People staring at you more change. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think that will, you know, the, I've said this on multiple different podcasts, but I think that's the, I, that's my biggest beef and bone to pick with like figure and bikini comp and that kind of stuff is I, I really, and I know there are probably some, but I have yet to meet a woman go through that and compete and come out mentally and emotionally unscathed. I, I've also said this on many different podcasts and I'll say it again. Um, if someone were to ask me now, should you compete or should I compete? I would say this. Are you happy at your current weight? Are you happy 20 pounds lighter and 40 pounds heavier? Because if you're not happy at all of those three weights, you have no business doing this sport. Yeah. Because no. it's the very real reality that you're going to face. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a, that's actually really smart advice. I think, yeah, if you're not, if you're not happy with who you are and you're doing this to get the body you want, yeah. guess what? You have the body you want for all of a day. Yeah. Hours. Yeah. And then as soon as you eat something else. Yeah. Yeah. And looking back, I was 20 years old. There is no reason I should have been even close to that scene. You know, right? but I didn't know. No. I, yeah, I didn't know any better. I was just like, I was looking at, you know, magazines such as Oxygen and oh, Fitness boy. RX. And yeah. I was like, I want to look like that. And I didn't realize like, you don't look like that. Like those girls look like that for hours and that's it. And it wasn't until not well, only that experience, but I saw one of those girls at my show. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget. Her name was Adela Garcia. And I saw her and I was like, she doesn't look like that magazine that I saw last month. Like what the heck is nope. going on? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, is like, yeah, they don't, they, they, you look like that for a couple of hours, right. Or a mm -hmm. day. And that's it. And the other thing is when you're saying like, I would have looked like them, chances are you two had wildly different body types. Exactly. And that was one of my biggest gripes with going into that scene was I don't have a traditional body type for figure. So I got blasted because of that. And it created even more insecurity within myself because I don't have the typical. Does it select for mesomorphs? Yeah, it's more like you've got the wide shoulders, little waist, and thin legs. Well, I'm completely opposite of that. So <laughs> <laughs> I was screwed from the beginning. Right. Um so well, let's yeah. Like, yeah, like I've got I've got brother I have a brother. I've got four of them, but like I've got one brother that like 
I might that I want to look like that. And guess what? No amount of anything I do yep. is going to make me look like that. Exactly. Because even when I am look even when I'm like down to like 205, 210 and people start asking me if I have cancer. <laughs> yeah, are you okay? Like no seriously, I I oh, I, I I could believe it. At yeah. 205, 210, I look sickly yeah like not like not because i'm big now but my body just looks that yeah. way yeah and and at that at that weight i can only get down to like a 35 inch waist yeah and and that's like when i was 212 210 10 percent body fat mm-hmm. and i could 35s worked 34s did not yeah now my brother he could probably get himself down into 32s Wow. But that's just because we have two wildly different bodies. And that's yep. the thing that people, I don't think people get. They see a picture. They see something. They're like, I want to look like that. And I'm like, sorry, bud. Stay in your lane, dude. Because yeah, yeah. you're not. Pick a different body yeah. that you want to look like. Yeah. And that was also the big appeal going into something like CrossFit or powerlifting. That it wasn't about that. It was about, okay, what can I do physically? And how can I improve each week. It wasn't about, oh, your shoulders are too small. We need to do this. We need to do that. You're too thick here. Got to slim down. It wasn't anything. It wasn't, like I said before, wasn't about what I wasn't. It was about what I could do. So then, yeah. And so then you guys, so you moved to California. So you were in Arizona. Mm -hmm. You went from Chicago to Arizona and then out to California. Right. So what took you out to California? My boyfriend. Will? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. We were doing the long distance thing for a while and we said, okay, we got to pick one or the other. And at the time I was like, you know what? Let's, let's go out to California. I think there's some opportunity out there with fitness. So I actually quit my teaching job and said, I'm going out there and, uh, went full blown into personal training and online coaching and all of that and did good. I mean, I was able to build a little bit of business there, but then this opportunity here with having our own gym, which was always something we wanted. We knew we wanted that. We just didn't know how are we going to get there? And when the opportunity brought us back, we were like, we got to do it because California is great and all, but it's just, it's not the place that we want to do that. So yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. It's, it's hard to do a small business in California. It is. It and is. COVID probably made it even harder. Yeah. In California. Yeah. I mean, we saw like he was um, kind of part owner, you know, working with a gym. So he saw firsthand how COVID affected them. I got fairly close with a gym out there that I was working with. And, and I just saw like they they struggle to just survive. And I knew that no, I don't, I don't want to struggle. I, I want to thrive and I want to build something that we can scale and, and do it big. And so when this opportunity brought us back here, we we're like, sold, do it. Yeah. All in. Probably the question that I get asked about your guys's gym Uh-oh. is no, it's probably the same one you get asked. Is this a CrossFit gym? <laughs> Yeah, you know, we've gotten that. It's is this a CrossFit gym? Is this a, a Orange Theory? It's neither. It's a functional strength gym where we focus on obviously strength, like CrossFit does, but it's not at that same level of intensity or competitiveness. 
our motto is we want you to last, made to last. So we help people be the best version of themselves, however that looks for them. So for some, it's like, I just want to be able to kneel down with my grandkids and play and not feel broken. For some, it's, you know, I just want to be accountable and a part of a community and just not kill myself doing, you know, 8 million miles on the treadmill and rower like at Orange Theory. So whatever it is. So, yeah, we've both used kind of our own knowledge, but then also experience to help fuel this, what I believe is going to be a new way of thinking about group training. Yeah, so I guess, so groups you guys are doing, it's mostly, is it? Mostly group training. Yeah. Are you guys doing? Are you guys doing personals? We one-on-one? do have personal training too, but yeah, our I guess our bulk is small group training. So we have classes of nine, nine max, and we bring them through a a typical workout of of strength based work. You know, we're using barbells, and then we've got our accessory work, and finish with a little bit of cardio hit type you know, finishers and go from there. So it's nothing too extreme. It's all about effective and efficient. Sounds super intentional. Um, so you guys limit your classes sizes to nine. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. great. Now, do are you guys have, is it only one person coaching at a time or both you and will, will you guys like tag team a class? Will people get more individualized attention or? It, it depends. Like we're both there, but sure. sometimes, you know, one of us is up in the front, the other person's coaching or vice versa, or both of us are there helping. So, okay. Yeah. And then do you guys follow? So like your program, who programs? Will. Will programs? Yeah. He's, okay. I would say he's, he's a mix of. Are you familiar with Power Athlete? No. Okay, so Power Athlete kind of comes into play a little bit in there. CrossFit. Um, oh, that yeah, that's. I was wondering. I'm like, I thought he was saying like in his bio. I thought he was like, I'm a Power Athlete. Oh yeah. yeah rather yeah. than like Power Athlete certified. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's a cool. It's a cool program, John Welburn. He. It's a great cert. So he should be finishing that up. Uh, pretty soon here okay. and then yeah so we're following that um like i said elements of crossfit power lifting power building like i would like to say you sure know? so now do you guys do so it sounds like most classes are a little bit of everything do you guys have like dedicated like bro sesh days where we're just doing hypertrophy gonna stare in the mirror a little bit <laughs> get a good get 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 pump yeah, a little, get a little so swole it's it's all intentional of the week, right? So we've got our, our heavy days where we may be more focused on our compound movement and then our lighter days where it's like, all right, we're, we're going to bro it out a bit, give ourselves a little bit of a break because we do have, you know, we have members that come in five days a week. So we have to be mindful that, look, they're not going to be able to push weight every day like that. Right. And I think that's a huge misconception out there in the general public that you have to push and go and go and do you know, there's a local gym in this area where it's like, you got to suffer all the time. And it's like, no, dude, you don't like it. <laughs> that's not intentional. Well, and, and, and to be fair, like, so I uh, tell me, tell me, tell me who you're talking about without <laughs> telling me who you're talking about. Right. So I actually know, um, the owner of that gym mm-hmm. and the, and the, do you, I don't know if you, if you guys ever had no. a chance to meet Mm-mm. and do the programming and, and it's, that's a very different He's, he's trying to build a very different person and athlete than mm-hmm. per se what you guys are, are doing. Right. Yeah. And so like, 
in his defense, he's coming from uh, a special operator mindset and community and, and trying to build that sort of a mindset in people and, and helping and trying to push people beyond what they, and that appeals to a certain crowd. Right. Right. And so those like, so he, he's got those people and I've been to that class and I've been to some of those workouts and yeah, like I could see if I went all the time to that, I could eventually build up that tolerance. Right. And that's, but, but again, not necessarily right now for where I'm at in my life, not necessarily the journey or the fitness goal that I have. At some point, I would maybe like to go give it a go, good solid yeah. six months and see. But like, no, I, I think you're right. There is, and I think this is what's so awesome about this area that we live in. There is something for everyone. Yes, yes. And that's the thing. I, I don't mean to knock that guy. Like, no, I've, no, never, I, I've never met him. I'm sure he's a great guy. He's, and he's, obviously, He's fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Like One of the nicest, nicest humans you'll ever meet. Yeah. I'm it, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just the, saying the like, fact that he's an advocate for fitness, like that's thank you. Yeah. You know. And um, not only fitness, but like we we had a really interesting if you haven't figured out already, we're talking about Jason <laughs> France and we're talking about Suffer City. Like and Suffer I have tons of friends that go down there and that place is phenomenal. And Jason, with his whole mandate fitness movement mm-hmm. that he's kind of started, is, is more than just get off your couch and go do something, which is obviously something that should be done, but also looking at it from a, from a community level in that we should care more as a community about yes. our fitness. Yes. Like 100%. why, like why do we have his thing? Why do we have to drive past a Popeye's, a McDonald's, a Burger King, a Taco Bell, a Filiberto's, all of these, we have to drive by 10 or 12 of these places yeah. before we can find a salad and go. Right. Do you right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and so talking about that they're really, as a community too, we should mandate that, and we should advocate for those places in our communities. We right. shouldn't celebrate, you know, if you want to celebrate and you want to eat Cheetos or you want to eat fries, like that's great. You can celebrate yeah. the newest Raising Canes, right? But as a general rule in the community, we should be advocating to pull healthy choices into our communities yeah. and and asking for healthier choices in our grocery stores. Right. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, and saying like, Hey, if people stop buying this stuff, people stop carrying it and they'll yeah. start getting the stuff that people are wanting to buy. Right. So, exactly. So that's just, I think, I think he's a, so that was just, I'm not trying to, no, no, like, no. But, no. And I but think, that's just me the, like saying that the other thing is, is in, in this community, we have so many different choices and, yeah. and he's a beautiful guy, sweet guy and a really cool, he's actually built something really cool over there, which I really, really enjoy. Uh, but yeah, and it's a nice alternative for people who don't want to do CrossFit. Right. And it's, and it's a, who don't want to go to lifetime. Right. I th- want to be challenged, but I think, yeah, I think your guys' gym is, is for people that that's not, that's not for them. Exactly. Right? And, that, and that's what I wanted to get at was that I probably five years ago, six years ago would have been a member at that gym. For Hands sure. Hands down. I'm there putting in the work every day. Yeah. Like that is me. And now having gone through some trials and tribulations, going through some injuries and kind of come, you know, having a coming to Jesus moment where it's like, all right, I don't need to be killing myself like that anymore. I understand the, um, 
place that that had in my life, but I'm not there right now. No. And I need fitness to work with me, not against me. 100%. And that's where the foundry comes in. We want it to be an area or a place, a community, a gym that someone could go to and not feel broken day after day, that they could go and say, hey, I felt the support and encouragement of my community. And it wasn't about the fact that I was only deadlifting 50 pounds and she had 200. Like we both celebrated equally and we felt celebrated equally by our coaches. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Like that's one of my wife's complaints about why she doesn't like to, she doesn't, CrossFit's not her thing. She's like, I don't want to feel like I have to compete all the time Yeah, and feel like I have to, like if she's doing, yeah, if she's doing 150 pounds I and I'm at 75, like I don't want to have to sit there and feel like I'm going to have to Yeah, and I think it's, up. A lot of people like us, maybe that have an athletic background or that type A, like go, go, go. I think that there's this sense that we're now at this point in our life where we're like, we still want fitness. We still want to go and be a part of something, but we don't want that competitiveness anymore. Like we're over it. We're over the feeling of like we have to go and do more and be more and all of that. We just want to go in, do our thing and be done. Yeah, no, I get that. No, for sure. As, as people get older, yeah, not older, but like different parts of your, of your fitness journey, fitness experience, yeah. right? Like it evolves, it changes. Like I don't have anything to, comp I don't have, like when I was younger, I was like, oh, I need to do every CrossFit competition and I'm bummed out if I don't win. Right. Right. And now I'm like, yeah, I like, I still like, for me, I still have to compete at stuff. Like yeah, that's just that's me. Great. I have to compete. And and now though, I'm more comfortable in my own skin with who I am. And my, now my competing is more with myself. Yeah. Like, Oh cool. My deadlift. Like I don't get, and, and I think this is just me maturing. I don't get bummed out if the kid who's 28 years old, right. Can do 10 muscle ups unbroken and I can do three. Right. Right. Cause that's two more than I could do like a year ago. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. so like, and I know the level, the level of work, time, effort, recovery, and everything else that I'm going to have to put in at 40 to keep up with 28 year old. The sad reality is, so I'm going to have to do significantly more. And there's other things in my life that I care about more than trying to do 10 muscle ups. Exactly. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think, I think what's cool about your guys' place, the foundry is you guys are in this lovely little sweet spot for all of these people, right. Who are like, you know what? I don't need to go and feel like I'm being yelled at and yeah. And trying to keep up with a bunch of these people and take my shirt off and sweat. Right. Like, yeah. or I don't need to go to like the EOSs and the mountainside fitnesses and the, and the, um, I forgot what that bot that bodybuilding gym is, um, figures or whatever. I think it, I don't remember what's called. But, yeah, I know. What but like, about. and sit there and bro out for three hours, right? Right. And right. then and carry around a jug of one jug of BCAAs and another jug <laughs> of of water, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And so I think, yeah, I think your guys' gym is awesome in that it really true. It is cheers. <laughs> <laughs> we're the cheers you guys gyms. are the cheers and maybe 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 i didn't i hope i'm not insulting no, you not at but all. i say that in the most like awesome way possible yeah 
You I guys mean, are friggin' is. Cheers. You know that you can show up at Cheers. Everybody's going to know your name. <laughs> Sam's going to throw get you a, a fantastic drink. And I just aged myself by Cheers, right? <laughs> but like, get, Sam's going to get you a drink. Normie's going to walk in at some yep. point, right? And yep. it's going to be great. Yep. You're going to come in. You're going to have a great time. You're going to work on your goals. And you're going you're to feel good. You're going to get exactly what you want to get out of it. Yep. Exactly. If, if you want to sit at the bar and eat peanuts with Norm and whatever and talk whatever, you can do that. Yeah. If you want to come in and, and pick up women at Cheers and try and hit on <laughs> Diana and, and then go talk to, you know, Dr. Crane, you can do that too. Yep. Yep. That's that's what we're all about is just creating an experience that's like no other, you know, that doesn't exist. That That kind of transition between I've got to go, 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 or even someone that wants to get back into the game and they're just not sure how. Like yeah. they don't want to go to EOS because they have no clue what they're doing there. They don't want to go sweat at an, you know, Orange Theory or F45 and CrossFit intimidates them. Yep. So, yeah. No, I love that. I think that's such a cool, that's a really fun, cool place to be. Um, and I, and I'm a huge advocate of people getting coaching, people getting training. Right. And I'm even, I'm even a huge advocate of people like, Hey, if you have certain goals, right. I'm a huge advocate of like people going and paying the gym membership fee for your thing right? And getting some coaching, getting some training, or even going and paying for one-on-one right. training like two times a week with you or three t- right. t- twice a week with you guys, and then getting programming for the other days. Sure. Yeah. And keeping a gym membership at, at an EOS or a Mountainside or a Lifetime. Yeah. Right? And going and then doing, getting the skills and then taking that and putting it into practical application. Because so many people don't know how to program for themselves and be those who can oftentimes don't want to. That's why I go to, that's, that's honestly one of the, aside from the competitive piece of it. And I love like these movements, but like, I don't want to think about my workout. That is 99% of people, myself included, will included. We do not program for ourselves. I've always hired out a coach or found a program. And I was like, I'm doing this because at the end of the day, this is what I do for a living. I don't want to do it for myself, Yep. but I also know myself. I will negotiate like, like everyone I'll negotiate mm-hmm. with myself and be like, Oh no, I, I can change this or I don't have to do that. Whereas if I'm being held accountable by someone else or something else, I'll do it. Yeah. That's why I worked out when I was, when I was spending most of my time working out at EOS, I had a, I've got one of my best friends. We worked out together every morning and I knew, dang it. Like I'd wake up and be like, I don't want to go today. Yeah. I don't want to go work out. I want to sleep. And then there were two things. One, I heard Jocko Willing's voice in, the, in my head telling me how I was going to feel weak like I failed yeah. the first part of the yeah. morning. Yeah. And then I also had this other one where my buddy was going to text me 15 minutes after five and go, dude, where are you? Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I'll go. I'll yeah. go. Yeah. I'll go. Absolutely. And I think that a lot of people think that is a point of um, shame for themselves. Like they shouldn't feel that way. But this is the reality. We all feel like we need... Um, 
we have to find what drives us and we have to find what it is that we need to be successful. There are some of those people that can get up at 5 a.m. and go work out on their own and they're perfectly fine doing it. And they're tap dancing and singing show tunes as they walk yeah. out the door. And that's fine. That's that's you. You've got that whole internal motivation. Great. But for the large majority of us, we need something else. We need, whether it's a person, um, a appointment with ourselves, that someone is expecting us to be there, whatever it is, be honest with what you need and make sure that you have that in place so that you can stay consistent. Yeah, we need a why. Need a bigger why than, yep. than just, I want to be better. I want to look better. Yeah. Like like if, if, if your whole motivation for fitness is I just want to look better, <laughs> you're not going to get anywhere with that. Yeah. Because guess what? It's not defined and you're never going to be satisfied with it. I can tell you from personal experience, that was my why in my 20s and it led me down a very dark path. Yeah. And until I fully realized that and fully realized that that why was not going to carry me through, I had to make a change. Yeah. And it's important to have goals. Don't get me wrong. Like, But I would set a goal like... I want to be able to do X, Y, and Z. Yes. I want to be 10 and a half or 9% body fat so that, and if I'm 9% body fat, then that means my sugars are going to, my blood glucose level is going to be mm -hmm. a certain level that if I can stay at that level, then I will be healthier long-term, have a lower risk of like metabolic and other heart diseases. And I will be around for my family. Right. Right. Stuff like that. But if it's just, I just, I don't know. I just want to look better. Yeah. That's why I always try to push people into setting goals that they can do. You know, what is a goal that you can do? Not necessarily be, although those goals are great too, but, oh, you know, maybe your goal is to do a push-up. You know, for a average females, sometimes a push-up or a pull-up is such a daunting task. Yeah. Let's work towards that. That's a goal that we can continuously work towards. What's a goal that you can be that doesn't involve your looks? Oh, you want to be confident when you wear that dress or when you go to your high school reunion, whatever it may be. Yeah. Well, and I think what's in the, have you read Atomic Habits? Yeah. So I love when he talks about setting goals. And then this was also from some, I went into this place called the Landmark Forum. It's actually a really cool program. I highly recommend it. I just don't recommend that you get to like, don't drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like take the principles, use it, but don't drink the Kool-Aid and start speaking land Martian. Yeah. Yeah. But like, um, setting goals from an internal perspective, mm -hmm. like a, like a place of like, okay, I, rather than like, I want to work out to do this, you approach it from a, I am somebody who's healthy and fit and can do pull-ups. Yeah. Right. And then you approach everything from that perspective. So what does somebody who's active, healthy, and can do pull-ups do? Well, they sure as heck don't miss the gym. Right. They sure as heck don't put bad food in their system, exactly. except for maybe like 20% of the time during, right. during the week. They, they, people like that generally get their sleep, right? And so now because you've taken on this, approached it from of, I am this, then you reverse engineer it and everything then falls, yep. in, falls back into place for people. Totally agree. I love it. Um, so personal training, personal training, uh, is it just who's, are you both doing it? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if I was looking for a personal trainer and I was like, Hey, I want to work with somebody over at the foundry gym, how would you 
define or how would you characterize and Will's not here to defend himself, but how <laughs> would you characterize each of you guys as trainers and how do you program? How do you like Will, although we both have athletic backgrounds in both ourselves and as coaches, Will is definitely more athletically focused than I am. So he's done a lot with youth athletes, um, also ultra marathons, obviously, endurance athletes, even uh, power athletes like um, Olympic weightlifting. So he would be someone that if you are going for an athletic pursuit, you need to go with Will. Okay. Um, If you are someone with a chronic injury, especially a back or shoulder injury, you need to go with Will because he has a physical therapy background. If you are someone who needs support, not only with what to do in the gym, but navigating what I like to say, your own shit and getting out of your head, then you need to come with me. Um, If you're someone that has been through the ringer and done every fad, gimmick, diet program there is and just needs something that's sustainable, you need to come with me. Um, If you're someone that just, you know, just needs to be held accountable and just needs to work out, you can go with either of us. And at that point, I would say, whose personality jives with you the best? Gotcha. You know, he and I, although we're very similar, we're also very different. He's more of the type B, like, you know, passive personality, whereas I can be a little bit more type A, but compassionate. Um, You know, I'm kind of going to tell it like it is, and it just depends. I always say the relationship with the coach is just like any other relationship. You need to find who works for you. And not everyone works with each other well on both ends, you know, from a client perspective and the coach perspective. Gotcha. Yeah. I love it. So that having been said, where can, I know Will dropped it too, but where can everybody find you? Yeah. So we're all over the socials, um, the Foundry Gym at QC on Instagram and on Facebook, uh, we have a YouTube channel that we will get up and going here soon, but um, just type in the Foundry Gym Queen Creek and come check us out. Awesome. 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 Well, Brittany, appreciate you coming in. It was Thank fun. you very much. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. All right.